Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Do you remember the day that Anthony Weiner was doing the press conference and Andrew Breitbart took over the whole thing. Remember that day? And then he called right into our program right after that. And I'm like, what is what is wrong with this guy? I mean, it's so ugly. It's so weird, sick, twisted, and bizarre. I, I, don't, I will never, ever, ever send any picture of me to anybody. By the way, people want to send me pictures. Go right ahead. Feel free. Remember G. Gordon Liddy used to do that every year for his calendar years ago? He'd have people send him pictures, and then he'd pick the, you know, girls and guns and put it on a calendar every year. G. Gordon Liddy was awesome. He was a great guy. Anyway, I just, I, I just look at this. It's so despicable. And he's got his kid laying right down next to him. Oh, my. And he doesn't even know these people. It's hilarious. Why are you saying, what does he think he's good looking? Is that what it is? Does he think he's hot? I don't understand it. Now his wife, Uma, the radical, is uh, apparently now announcing that she's going to dump him. After long, painful consideration and work on my marriage, I've made the decision to separate from my dopey husband. I'm adding the word dopey. Uh, she said, Anthony and I remain devoted to doing what's best for our son. He's taking pictures, selfies, and sending them with the kid right next to him. You can see the kid in the picture. Good grief. Uh, I'm not betting Anthony Weiner gets custody of that kid after that picture. Kind of weird. Um, but you still, you know, I don't even think that's the biggest issue. That's between them. I don't really give a rip about Anthony Weiner. No pun intended. He loves to take pictures of himself, send out Weiner pictures. Weiner loves to do that. I love these people. You know, I actually agree. There's a talk show host whose real name is Weiner. And Wiener, yeah, there really is. And he changed his name. And I don't blame him for changing his name. How would you like to go through life with the name Wiener? I just, that'd be horrible. I'd change my name too. Anyway, so Uma Abedin's mom, I'm more concerned about this. As Secretary of State, 
you know, the champion of women's right, Hillary Clinton, not only spoke at this Saudi's girl school run by her top aide, Uma, uh, and her anti-feminist mother, but then Clinton invited the elder Aberdeen to participate in a State Department event for leading thinkers. And remember, when she went to Saudi Arabia with Uma's mother in 2010, she's like, oh, we've got to dispel the myth of that that the Saudis are oppressive towards women. I'm like, dispel the myth? What are you talking? It's not a myth. Unless you want to live in a country where, hey, Linda, by the way, tomorrow I want you to wear a burqa when you come into work, okay? Because that's what they the way they do it in Saudi Arabia. But Hillary's saying, you know, let's dispel the myth that women are treated horribly. And the next time you go to the beach, I expect a burkini to be worn. Can you imagine? That's what they do. Men tell women how to dress. Men tell women whether they can travel, whether they can go to school, whether they can go to work. Women in Saudi Arabia can't drive a stupid car. All right, Ethan, get out of my ear. That may not be a bad idea. You're trying to be funny. I heard you. I heard what he said. What was that all? Where did that come from? You're saying, no, actually, statistically, men are worse drivers than women. Women are better drivers. I heard you say it. I heard you say, well, that may not be a bad thing. Oh, you're saying it because you want less people on the road. Oh, yeah, I really believe that that's what the comment was about. Sure. All right. So she's claiming all of this. Anyway, so the mother wrote this book entitled Women in Islam, A Discourse in Rights and Obligations, and... It was published by this Institute of Muslim Minority Affairs, of which Uma had her name on it for such a long time. Anyway, so it was written by her Saudi colleague, Fatima Nasif, and the book explains that the stoning and lashing of adulterers, the killing of apostates, sexual submissiveness, and even female genital mutilation are all permissible practices under Sharia law. The wife, get this, women pay close attention here. The wife should satisfy her husband's desire for sexual intercourse. The book states on page 202, even if she doesn't want to have sexual intercourse, she has no right to abstain except for a reasonable cause or legal prohibition. But getting in the mood may be difficult because the book says that female genital mutilation is permissible. Quote, circumcision for women is allowed. You know, I don't care about Anthony Weiner. I don't care about him taking pictures of his Weiner and sending out pictures on the Internet. That's between Uma and Weiner. Weiner and Uma. And apparently Weiner and Uma aren't going to stay together. Okay, fine. That's really none of my business. That's their problem. Now, but the issue here is, okay, this whole thing with Uma Abedin's mother and Uma setting up Hillary to go to Saudi Arabia with the mother, and Hillary saying that we've got to dispose of the myth that women are mistreated, is baloney. It's unbelievable. Laws promoting feminist equality, moreover, are ineffectual since man-made laws have, in fact, enslaved women, submitting them to you know, the caprice and, and practice of human beings. Islam is the only solution and the only escape. Her job would involve long hours. Forget about working in a position of authority. Her job would involve long hours of free mixing, social interaction with the opposite sex, which is forbidden by Islam. 
Moreover, women's biological constitution is different from that of men. Women are fragile, emotional, sometimes unable to handle difficult and strenuous situations. By the way, who are these women? Because they're not any women I know in my life. I don't know who these women are. What, they got to be sex slaves and get genital mutilation and got to be available 24-7 and they can't drive a car. Too strenuous for a woman. And they're told how to dress and they can't travel or go to school without a man's permission. It's unbelievable. The one exception to the sexual division of roles is women can also participate in fighting when jihad becomes an individual duty. Oh, so we can we can strap bombs on the women and let them go blow themselves up. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. On the back cover, Uma's mom says she is pleased to launch the book as part of a series of study of women's rights in Islam sponsored by the International Islamic Committee for Women and Children, for which she is listed as a chairperson. Now, founded by Uma's mom, this Cairo-based group has advocated for the repeal of the Egyptian Mubarak-era laws in favor of implementing Sharia law, which could allow female genital mutilation, child marriage, and marital rape. The mother's paid by the Saudi government to advocate and spread Sharia in non-Muslim countries like America. So what is Uma doing? Uma is promoting the mother. Uma was part of the publication of this whole radical group. Uma is Hillary's best friend. Uma is the one that did all the connecting with Clinton Foundation donors to Hillary while she's Secretary of State, which allowed them to buy access and in many cases become multimillionaires. So they can give more money to the foundation or they can hire Hillary and Bill for expensive speeches. You fly an hour, you give a speech for an hour, you give do a meet and greet for five minutes. You shake hands, you take some pictures and you go home six hundred thousand dollars richer. What a great what a great country America is. So she's paid by the Saudis to do this in 1995, three weeks before Clinton gave her famous women's rights speech in Beijing. Uma's mother headlined an unusual Washington conference organized by CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, to lobby against the U.N. platform drafted by Clinton and other feminists. Visibly angry, she argued it runs counter to Islam and was a conspiracy against Muslims. Now, this actually goes into this whole issue. By the way, anyone paying attention to what's going on in the world and this whole refugee crisis? You know, there's an article out today that says under Hillary, there's going to be in her first term probably a million immigrants from Muslim countries. Well, the problem is if you're coming from a country that practices female genital mutilation that says women must submit at the whim of any man that a woman can't drive, a woman's told how to dress, four male eyewitnesses for rape, here's the problem. The problem is all of that is contrary to American constitutional values. And Uma put her name to this this group and document and paper for 12 years. But we're supposed to believe it was just only by name only. Her brother's part of it. Her mother's leading it. And her sister's a part of it. But now we're supposed to believe that Uma apparently doesn't believe these things. I don't know. I don't I'm not sure I buy that. Anyway, in 2010. Uma arranged for her mother and Hillary Clinton to speak in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, 
and they spoke at a girls' school there that she founded and helps run as the dean. And speaking to a room full of girls, Hillary Clinton said Americans have to stop stereotyping Saudi women as being oppressed before assuring the audience not all American women go around in bikini bathing suits. Wow. I, I mean, do you go to the beach? Sunshine over there has to go to the beach. Do you go to the Jersey Shore? You go to the Jersey Shore beach? And when you go to the Jersey Shore, does most girls have a bikini, right? If I'm guessing. You're correct. And if they don't have a bikini, they are not wearing a burkini, right? I have yet to see one, but it's down the shore, Sean, not to the shore. You're going down Down the shore. Down the shore. We're going down to the shore, and we're going to hang out and drink beer with our friends. Okay. Now, the girls that aren't wearing bikinis tend to wear one-piece bathing suits, right? And occasionally, maybe you get a girl in shorts and like a tank top. Pretty much, that's it? Correct. And they all have their bare feet so everyone can see, right? Showing off their pedicure. I'm just guessing. I, I don't go to the beach. By the way, I can't take the beach. I can't stand sitting there and roasting in the sun. I have no concept why people would ever do that. What do you do? You sit there. I can't sit for that long without, you know, wanting to blow my brains out. Have you heard of swimming in the ocean? I don't want that ocean is disgusting. The Atlantic Ocean is gross. It's got seaweed, jellyfish rocks and all this crap that you're going to cut your feet open with. I did it as a kid. I'm not doing it anymore. I did all that. Got it all out of my system. I swallowed enough salt water for 10 lifetimes doing body surfing. I used to love when the waves would crash over my head. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then wondering if I was ever going to get up before the next wave hit me and drown. Oh, that's exciting. Well, so Hillary wanted to say that Americans have got to stop stereotyping Saudi women. I don't care about Anthony Weiner and his Weiner. I don't care about Uma and Anthony. Uma and Weiner. I don't care. I know it's the front page every Weiner's a weirdo. All right. Pretty simple case. Shut and, you know, shut, shut and shut case. Open and shut. Done. Thank you. I appreciate that. And now she's partners with this woman. Why is it not a bigger issue with women? The polls show that Hillary does better with women. And here's what I want to know. Uh, What part of Hillary taking money from the Saudis and the Kuwaitis and Oman and UAE and all these other countries that mistreat women, misogynistic, I mean, so anti-constitutional, then, you know, all contrary to our values, even the most stringent Americans aren't worried about American women in bikinis or one-piece bathing suits on the beach at the Jersey Shore, up the shore, down the shore, up the shore, down the shore, whatever the shore is. And the point is, nobody cares. I don't care what these women wear on the beach. Who gives a rip? And I frankly think it's weird to swim with your clothes on, like they're doing in France with their burkinis. You can't even let a woman take a dip in a pool without... What, you, you, if you see her in a bathing suit, you're going to get all excited and freaked out? Well, something wrong with you men then. And you want the right to mutilate their genitals? And they've got to have sex on demand, and they, but they can't drive a car. And you tell them how to dress. And Hillary's saying we've got to stop stereotyping Saudi women. Why? Because then she justifies taking $25 million for the foundation from the Saudis and another $10 million for the Clinton Library. And nobody in the media talks about it. All right, we got a lot coming up in the course of the program today.
We got our friend Ann Coulter stopping by. Uh, you're going to hear from a mother. Guess what? Her son took pictures aboard a submarine, is spending a year in jail, far less than anything Hillary Clinton did with her server. We have a two-tier justice system. It'll blow you away. And a lot more coming up. 800-941-SHAWN is a toll-free number if you want to be a part of the program. I know, you got to look up what a burkini is. Why don't you put a burkini up on the website so people know what the hell I'm talking about? I've got calls coming in up on the screen. What is a burkini? Well, I don't know what a burkini is. I've never seen a woman in a burkini. I have no clue what it is. I assume it's the full dress, right, and cover your face and go dip in the water, and then you have clothes stuck to your entire body. Gee, that's really comfortable. That's a great way to take a... Now, I have worn shirts in, the, in a pool because I don't feel like getting sunburned. I have done that. I know, very Irish. I know. You just don't want to get sunburned. Hurts. Who needs to get hurt? And I don't want to put that disgusting, smelly lotion on either. Hate it. Absolutely. I didn't blame my kids when they didn't want to put it on either. Football season now is back. You see Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterback? He refused to stand for the national anthem this weekend before the 49ers played Green Bay. And um, in an interview after the game... Colin Kaepernick said, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. He told the NFL media, to me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street, people getting paid, uh, leave and getting away with murder. This is not something that I'm going to run by anybody. I'm not looking for approval. I have to stand up for people that are oppressed if they take football away my endorsements from me i know that i stood up for what's right really he then sent out a tweet that he later deleted and it was an image of the american and confederate flags with the caption the fact that you really believe there's a difference in these flags means that you're ignoring history no the only ignorant person here is colin kaepernick you know where do you begin with it I, you know i suppose you know, Kaepernick's, who's, I don't even know what to say about this, except his career has been in a bit of a free fall, but um, I guess he can stand or sit whatever he wants to do. You can't be forced to do so by any act of law, and if he wants to remain ignorant, he can remain ignorant. It's up to each team to decide what their team rules are, and the 49ers issued a statement saying the national anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony, it is an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties we're afforded as citizens in respecting such American principles as freedom of religion, freedom of expression. We recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of our national anthem. OK, so no one, not the 49ers, the NFL, they're not going to force Colin Kaepernick to uh, stand for the national anthem. And I guess that's their prerogative. But. We're free to criticize Kaepernick to our heart's content. And that's what I'd like to do because he's a jackass. And, you know, to be more precise, kind of a washed up jackass. And for those millions of Americans who don't know about his career, several years ago, he looked like he was a rising superstar as quarterback. And he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl in 2013 and he lost. And the NFL championship game in 2014 where they lost and Kaepernick ended up signing a contract worth $125 million. By the way, not bad for a country that's so horrible, right? $125 million since then. His career has been in a nosedive. He was benched last year. 
kind of withdrawn from his teammates. Earlier this year, he demanded to be traded, but he's still on the team as of now. That may change. Although I'm not sure any team in the NFL is going to want him. And as you can imagine, a lot of people are pretty angry for not standing for the national anthem. He's being mocked and ridiculed, as he should be on Twitter. And, you know, a lot of people saying that, you know, you want to persecute somebody that has $128 million, you know, contract and all he does is sit on the team and say, good job, guys. Go right ahead. I saw a tweet. Kaepernick won't have to worry about standing for a national anthem next season because they don't play in the CFL. They don't play it there. It's a good line. Uh, another one said, Colin Kaepernick tried to throw an American flag on the ground, but it was intercepted. Pretty funny. <laughs> Jason's laughing. You like that? No. You know, the Jets were thinking about bringing him in. Thank God. What are you doing wearing a Green Bay jersey today? Why are you this, wearing a Green Bay a, jersey? This, this is a classic jersey. Ray Nitschke? Okay. Why are you wearing a Green Bay jersey? You either wear a Jets or a Giants jersey I'm not in this studio. I hear any lectures from you who lives in Long Island and roots for the Philadelphia Flyers. That's disgraceful. No, so it's very me, pre- Don't give me no lectures. You know why? Because there was no better player, no tougher guy, no tougher team than the Broad Street Bullies and Bobby Clark. I wanted to be Bobby Clark. I wanted to be the guy with no teeth. And eventually I ended up with no teeth when I fell off a roof three stories. I, you know, had half the teeth in my head busted up along with my arm that was dislocated and broken. And uh, I fell three stories on frozen ground in Rhode Island. So, you know, got your wish. By the way, what's your take on Kaepernick? I mean, I guess he can insult America and we're free to insult him. Yeah, uh, look, to me, he's just he's a third string quarterback. And I, I don't really think much about Kaepernick. I mean, if I'll be a little more intrigued by the story, if he was still that star player, would there be this kind of this kind of outcry? I mean, the people are burning his jerseys. These are the same people that rooted for him a couple of years ago, and because he stinks, no, all this of a is, sudden, you know what this guy is? He's a spoiled brat, out of touch, super rich athlete. Uh, he in his own life has suffered no oppression. He's free to he's free to share all the money that he wants. He lives in the greatest nation on earth. You know, this is a nation that has overcome slavery, overcome evil and injustice, righted wrongs. You know, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, all these people that march with Martin Luther King Jr. and made the country a better place. This country fought a civil war in part over slavery. You know, so this is a country that beat back fascism, Nazism, imperial Japan and communism. But he sees no good. And it's like Michelle Obama's comment for the first time in my adult life. I'm proud of my country because my husband is going to be elected president. Somebody who's made over a hundred million dollars to talk about being oppressed. I'll I'll give him I'll give him. No, that's not the society he lives in. He lives in a place that should be praised for overcoming its wrongs and injustices and having the freedom for its people to rise up for the better and change the country because of a system put in place by our framers and our founders. But that doesn't fit his little, you know, socially fashionable and and relevant and melodramatic pretense that he has out there. You know, his version of, I guess, the March on Selma, 128 million dollar March on Selma. If if he wants to, if he wants to, 
bring attention to racial inequality, fine. I have no problem with He's that. He's a pampered but, bench warmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying and all that. But, but if you're going to make that kind of money and talk about racial inequality, do something with that $100 million that you And by the way, you know this guy? sit for a national anthem. He acts like he's standing up for Black Lives Matter. There was one, I don't know, I've never been able to confirm this. I looked earlier today that he might have converted to Islam in the offseason. Did you see that? That uh, that I don't know. All right, this is in the, I don't even know what this is, Sundance? Who gave me this article today? I don't even know where I got it. Anyway, it said during the offseason he may have converted to Islam, and he's also engaged with Black Lives Matter, and I guess hip-hop radio personality DJ Nessa Diab, who's that? I never heard of these people. How long have I been in the radio business? I never even heard of them. Anyway, Black Lives Matter as an activist group is synonymous with what? It's synonymous with what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? F the police. You know, pigs in a blanket. Fry them like bacon. So he's barely disguising. What is that? He's part of an anti-police organization and the 49ers want this guy sitting on his bench, on their bench? No way. So if he really wants to take a stand, maybe he can go to Chicago And maybe he can demonstrate a little bit of courage and social conscience and do some good and maybe stand up for cops and do something that Obama hasn't done and stand up for his own home city of Chicago. What, nine dead this weekend, another 40 injured this weekend, shot this weekend? That's on top of the 3,500 dead that nobody knows any of their names to? So he's trashing America by not only refusing to stand for the anthem but sending out his tweets that there's no difference between the American flag and the Confederate flag which is ignorant on top of everything else. And he obviously despises a country that gave him a $128 million contract. And, you know, for crying out loud, I don't know. What did it say? Uh, da, 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 da. I guess he's seen the kindness of human beings. No, he converted to Islam in July. He's engaged to Nessa Diab, who is a Black Lives Matter activist and who, pro- who promotes what she calls authentic Islam. So Listen, he, I have a memo to call in Kaepernick. Muslim wedding, so he's got to be Muslim. If he thinks trashing America is a way to advance the cause of justice, he's out of his mind. And he obviously is ignorant. Maybe he can look at countries that practice Islam as new religion, and maybe somebody can ask him if he thinks there's social justice for women. Or what does he think about Muslim countries that kill gays and lesbians? Or what does he think about Muslim countries that don't allow freedom of religion and are bigoted against Christians and Jews? Or anti-Semitism that is rampant in many Muslim countries. Maybe somebody will ask him that question in the next big post-game. Sit on your the sidelines, sit on your hands with your clipboard, Colin Kaepernick. You know, unbelievable. He understands nothing. He's drowning in ignorance and political correctness and venting, I guess, his own little th- monsters to fight here and adopting a religion that has under practice Many countries that are bigoted mistreat women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews. Maybe he's just ignorant. Maybe he just doesn't know. Maybe he's clueless. I don't know. L.A. Times story about this billionaire, Nigerian billionaire Clinton Foundation donor Gilbert Shagari. Remember I talked about him in the last few weeks? He was denied entry into the U.S. last year. You don't want to know why? Because of his ties to Hezbollah, the terrorist group. The story in the L.A. Times says that in the 1990s, Shugray 
uh, also cultivated a friendship with the Clinton family, in part by writing large checks, including a contribution of at least a million dollars to the Clinton Foundation. By the time Hillary became Secretary of State, the relationship was strong enough for Bill Clinton's closest aide to push Chagri for access to top diplomats, and the agency began exploring a deal still under consideration to build the consulate on Chagri family land in Nigeria. But even as those talks were underway, bureaucrats and other arms of the State Department were examining accusations that he had unsavory affiliations stemming from his activities and friendships in Lebanon. After a review, Chagri was refused a visa to enter the U.S. last year, prominent example of the nexus between Hillary Clinton's State Department and the family ties to the Clinton Foundation, all of which have been renewed in terms of scrutiny during this presidential run. Organization founded as a way for the Clintons to tap into their vast network of charitable works has tackled some of the steepest challenges in the developing world in Haiti, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out that most of the money doesn't go to charity from the Clinton Foundation. Anyway, his visa troubles stemmed in part from his involvement in the tangled politics of Lebanon. Chagri contributed to charitable projects there, advocated on behalf of the country's Christians, and formed political alliances, including a with uh, Michael Aoun, who was a Lebanese Christian politician who served as an army commander and prime minister during the country's civil war. Now, for a decade, that party has been part of a coalition with Hezbollah, the Shiite Muslim group backed by Iran that has seats in Lebanon's parliament. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization and categorized as one and classified as one by our government. And Chagre was known to have funded the Lebanese government and then minister and then Ambassador Jeffrey D. Feltman in 2007, which, by the way, according to a cable published by WikiLeaks that didn't go into detail about Chagri's relationship with Aaron, ended up that the minister suggested that the U.S. deliver Chagri a strong message about the possibility of financial sanctions and travel bans against those who undermine Lebanon's legitimate institutions. Now, Chagri never got a scolding, though. Instead, Doug Ban, that name sound familiar? He's the guy that kept contacting Cheryl Mills and Uma Abedin because he was in charge of the Clinton Foundation during Hillary's years as Secretary of State, and he was the one that arranged for the meetings with high donor uh, individuals to the foundation. Anyway, Doug Band, Bill Clinton's aide, pushed for the new access to this guy after Hillary took over as Secretary of State. 2009, Band wrote his friends in the department, we need Gilbert Chagare to speak to the substance guy, R.E. Lebanon. As you know, there's a key, he's a key guy here, and he is uh, involved in Lebanon. Very important, Uma. Oh. When Ban's email was made public this month, Donald Trump said, Chagri, that episode was illegal on a pay-to-play scheme. Well, looks like Trump was right again. Here's what we didn't know, and thanks to the L.A. Times now know, after Clinton left the State Department, Chagri again found himself under suspicion by U.S. security officials. In 2013, an FBI intelligence report citing unverified raw information from a source claimed that he had sent funds to Aoun, who transferred the money to Hezbollah. Anyway, the source said they were facilitating fundraising for Hezbollah, and the U.S. put him in its database used to screen travelers for possible links to terrorism. Interagency memos now show pretty unbelievable. That's not only pay for play, it's pay for play with a man who may have sent funds to a person who's in turn transferring the money to a 
terrorist organization called Hezbollah. Just like Hillary ignores the treatment of women under Sharia, and they can't drive, they're told how to dress, they can't travel abroad, they're told if they can go to school or work, and by the way, oftentimes they're subject, according to Uma Abedin's mother, to, you know, genital mutilation. Marital rape is not a crime. And by the way, they kill gays and lesbians, and they don't let Christians and Jews practice their faith freely, and Hillary takes their money, they buy her silence, $25 million or less. Another $10 million for the foundation. It's not only crony capitalism, it's crony capitalism with a terrorist touch. Look at that story. Doesn't that fit into the... Don't, you want to know why Clinton is playing the race card? This is why. Right here. That's why she's playing the race card. I just have to say, thanks for the endorsement, Bill. Took you long enough. Oh, snap! Sorry, Hillary. I was running on CP time. That's not. I don't. I don't like jokes like that, Bill. That's not. Funny. Cautious politician time. I, I've been there. I don't feel no ways tired too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. And the chair of all the mayors in the country, Mayor Palmer from Trenton, New Jersey. What's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just sauce. Really? You, yeah. Yeah. Really? Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> okay. Is it working? Yeah. <laughs> but we also have to have an organized effort against gangs just as in a previous generation we had an organized effort against the mob we need to take these people on they are often connected to big drug cartels they are not just gangs of kids anymore they are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators no conscience no empathy we can talk about why they ended up that way but first we have to bring them to heal and the president has asked the FBI to launch a very concerted effort against gangs everywhere. You mentioned Senator Obama. Let me read you a quote from a speech he gave today, saying, uh, false hopes. Dr. King, standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, looking out over the magnificent crowd, the reflecting pool, the Washington Monument. Sorry, guys. False hope. The dream will die. It can't be done. False hope. We don't need leaders to tell us what we can't do. We need leaders to tell us what we can do and inspire us to do. Would you react to that? I would, and I would point to the fact that uh, Dr. King's dream uh, began to be realized when President Lyndon Johnson passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, when he was able to get through Congress something that uh, uh, President Kennedy was hopeful to do, President uh, before had not even tried, but it took a president to get it done. That dream became a reality. The power of that dream became real in people's lives because we had a president who said, we're going to do it, and actually got it accomplished. All right, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program, hour two, and uh, so glad you could be with us. Well, there you have it, CP colored people time. Imagine if Donald Trump said that, or 
referring to uh, criminals as super predators. And then you notice the condescension, the tone, the cadence, the pitch. I'll, I'll talk about Mr. Palmer and, you know, <laughs> here we go. And I, what do you carry with you? Hot sauce. And I don't know what it is. Ann Coulter's the one that's laughing in the background. Uh, how are you? And Fine, she, thank you. And you? And she's got a brand new best-selling book out. It's called In Trump We Trust, E Pluribus Awesome. And it's uh, doing extraordinarily well. We'll get our New York Times numbers later in the week. I'm sure you'll debut number one as usual. How you been? Um, fine, thanks. You know, one thing, I love that opening, the tapes you were playing. The one thing I would say about the super predator thing, um, I mean, I know some people, but I think they're mostly liberals go crazy over that. I, I don't think that is as much of a problem as her saying that the big problem are the drug gangs and the gangs. And the gangs, well, you know who's running, you know who's bringing the heroin in? <laughs> you know who's bringing the fentanyl in? Um, it's coming from south of the border. It completely is. I mean, the whole heroin problem, the whole gang problem, this isn't, it wasn't, you know, like Norm up in New Hampshire thinking, hey, I know, I'll call up the Sinaloa drug cartel. I have this idea here for distributing heroin. That is 100% from the manufacturing to the distribution, because now with the anchor babies and illegal aliens, they got... They got the cartel members on both sides of the border. And it's one thing when when liberals say, um, well, you know, it's because American kids want to smoke pot, which, of course, liberals do say because they blame Americans. It's never that's the one case where you blame the victim, not the pusher um, or the. I mean, you'd blame the manufacturer if it were if it were a prescription drug. Um, but heroin, nobody put in an order for black tar heroin. That was that was Mexican drug cartels standing outside the rehab centers. Most of them had guns, by the way, that Obama gave them without GPS through uh, Operation Fast and Furious. Let me ask you this, because Hillary last week, there's no ambiguity anymore. She was caught red handed with the release of these new emails that came out. That, in fact, Hillary Clinton sold access to her office. Right. And some of her and more than half of the people that she saw and she met with were people that donated to her foundation or pledged to donate to the foundation. And a lot of them got favors done by the Secretary of State. Well, the favors they got oftentimes made them a lot of money, like the guy that got the rights to cut down all the trees and rape and pillage the forests in Colombia. Right. That was one of the examples. So my question is, so she distracts by using the race card and saying Donald Trump is a a Klan member, basically, (laughs) and David Duke loves Donald Trump. Meanwhile, she took $20,000 from a a Klan person. That was in the Washington Times. But putting that aside, I think this backfires because this happens every year. Yes. I I think this is a step too far. The polls show a very close tightening over the weekend. Do you think that backfires? Yes, I do. I just think people have gotten fed up with this. I mean, it was 20 years ago. Peter, Peter Rimlow said the definition, the modern definition of racism is a conservative winning an argument with a liberal. Um, and to just hear it, as you say, every four years. I mean, look at Donald Trump. He hasn't been involved in politics through his entire life. Not a racist, not a racist, not a racist. He opens up, he's uh, unusual in this way, opens up his clubs to blacks, Jews, Asians. His clubs are very unusual that way. He was asked on the Howard Stern show when Stern was pushing him. This was like, I don't know, five, ten years ago. Would you let uh, Ivanka date, date a black man? He said yes. He said yes. Never, always Always had a great relationship with blacks. He has lots of black employees. Suddenly, he runs for president as a Republican. And, oh, my gosh, we never noticed this before. He's he he must be a Klan member. It's racism. And I just I mean, watching 
the media, the New York Times, MSNBC, I mean, the entire media, basically, I don't think they realize what they are doing to their very tenuous, fragile hold they have on any of the public's trust anymore. Well, the they are destroying themselves. There's a Breitbart poll that came out this weekend. It shows that fully, you know, 50-some-odd percent of Americans don't trust CNN or any of these news outlets. As a matter of fact, they have a lower, lower ap- ap- approval rating than the people of Congress. Let me ask you this. Which is amazing. Why are you <laughs> certain? Because I talked to you the, the other night on TV, on this TV set, you're pretty certain Trump is going to win this. I'm looking at the polls. Yeah, there's a tightening, but I see that he's still down. Uh, in a lot of swing states, the ones that he's up, he's up by a sliver. Right. And for a Republican to win, if you look at the electoral map, they've got to run the table. they got to win Ohio, Florida, Not really. North Carolina, yeah, they kind of um, do. And when I say I'm certain he's going to win, I think it's more likely he wins than not. I mean, I thought from What do you be- think the number is? What percent I chance? I said from the beginning, actually, basically a few weeks after the Mexican rapist speech, 90% chance of winning the nomination, 60% chance of winning the, the presidency. But but who cares about the the predictions? Why do I think he still has a very good chance to win? I'll give you two reasons. One One is just, you know, looking at the electoral map. And I wrote this column a while ago. I'll email it to you. Um, and this was before he'd wrapped up the primary. Um, there are about 10 states, most of them big industrial Midwest states, um, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. Um, what am I forgetting? Maybe, maybe Minnesota. Um, oh, Pennsylvania, not Midwest. Um, Maine. Maine went for Perot over George Bush. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Maine has like, you know, <laughs> two electoral votes, but still. Take something. Him. New Hampshire. Um, I did. Uh, I came up with about 10 of them. In five of them, Romney didn't even win the white vote as against Obama in 2012. He did not even win a majority of the white vote. In the other five, he didn't even make his his national average in those states. The reason Romney's um, the number. And by the way, I think Trump gets more black and Hispanic votes, but I'm looking just at white voters. White voters are still a majority in this country. And let's, you know, exceed for purposes of argument. We were we will give in to the um, idiot media argument saying that, you know, Hispanics and blacks don't like Trump. Au contraire, I say. But anyway, we're leaving that aside. Just looking at white voters. I looked at the electoral map, assuming that Trump would lose, which I don't think he will, assuming he would lose Florida, assuming he would lose uh, Virginia. Why? Not because of, you know, Tim. Because of letting 200,000 exactly. felons vote? Exactly. No, exactly. Um, assuming he would lose, uh, um, you know, New Mexico, New Mexico and Colorado. And just looking at these 10 states where Romney did not get his national average or actually lost the white vote to Obama. If Trump increases that by a few points in five of the 10 states, roughly, it depends which state, obviously, again, Maine has two electoral votes. Pennsylvania's got a lot. Um, in only f- half of those states, he wins the election. And you, you still have to win every other state Romney won. Um, and then add five of the 10 states where Romney couldn't even get his, his national average of the white vote. And the second reason, uh, this is not just a procedural point. This is what he's saying. He has a sneaky appeal to everybody. He's saying to Americans, I'm going to put your interests first. I'm going to renegotiate these trade deals, bring jobs back to America, um, stop dumping low-wage workers on the country, competing with you. Uh, I'm going to put America's interests first when it comes to going to war. I, I just think that is going to be popular with Americans. And yes, he has the unfortunate Republican label, um, but 
But there's nothing frightening about Trump to swing voters or independent voters. I do think, and you know I'm a big Christian, I do think the party's been getting a little too evangelically lately. I don't need, I'm an evangelical, I don't need a presidential candidate to be having a rapture on stage or speaking in tongues. And I think we've gotten a little too much of that. He's going, look, he's going to defend the last, he's going to save the last Christian country on earth. I think Christians are fine with that. Um, But there's nothing that's going to be frightening. Nobody's worried about compulsory Bible reading under Donald. Donald Trump, married to a model living on Fifth Avenue. They're not worried about the endless wars, and boy, they sure aren't worried about him sucking up to Wall Street. Wall Street hates him. He is putting the working class and the middle class first. I think that's a winning message. Um, I think it's a winning message, but here's a problem. You've got all these liberal rhino establishment. I don't call them whatever you want. They think they sanctimoniously are the the purest in, in the conservative movement. But you read it, you read them, and Brett Stevens of the Wall Street Journal attacking me, and you got Jonah Goldberg at National Review attacking me, and I'm actually turning it on them. Because if you look at the Republican base support for Trump, unfortunately, it's too low to win, in my opinion, right, right now. Right. At 73, 75%. He needs 90% plus. No, it's and outrageous I, what they're doing. Well, they're doing it. You have the four presidential candidates that promised and pledged that yes. they would support the winner. Yes. They're still nowhere to be found, including John Kasich and yes. Lindsey Graham and Jeb and, and even my friend Ted Cruz. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. And then you can add to that the Paul Ryans of the world yeah. that are more critical of Trump than they are of Hillary and Obama together. That's right. So if they- I don't know what they think they're winning or what they're getting out of this. I mean, first, I suppose I should say, and I've said it before, I think if Trump loses, this is the end of the country. There's no point to what you do, I do, Fox News does. It's so I should, I should do Howard Stern show and <laughs> we'll start asking people to take off writing, their clothes or what? I'm going to start writing mysteries, but look, yeah. uh, look for something else to do because politics won't matter anymore. They will overwhelm the country with... With, with so much of the third world that Republicans will never be able to win another election. There, it won't be a fair fight. There will, Americans will be being outvoted by foreigners. So what's the point in paying attention or developing arguments? But the problem is ethnic this. Groups, but here's people the problem. voting on ethnic group don't listen to the issues. But yet and still, let's pretend here's what that I there is do, some though. point. What do they think they are winning? Do they think that the Trump voters are going to forgive them for this? They're destroying the Republican Party one way or another. Um, what do they think they're winning here? But, they my, are- but you're making my point. My answer is this. If Hillary Clinton becomes the next president and she makes Supreme Court appointments, I blame Jonah and yeah. I blame Brett Stevens yeah. and I blame National Review and I blame Paul Ryan and I blame right. the four Republican candidates because they have sabotaged their own party right. candidate for whatever reasons they may have. They think they're pure. They think they ideologically are They're superior to everybody purely else. Purely for the donors. Okay, but purely when, for case. When Street. we're not energy independent, <laughs> when we continue to have Obamacare, when our borders are not secure, when there are nine Ruth Bader Ginsburgs un, on the Supreme when Court, we can't win anything. Yes. Refugees kill people. Terrorist I'm, attack I'm holding after them responsible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You can keep your show going for another five years just so we can just do pounding this, them. Just so we can go through who is responsible. We'll do it name by name, and at some point we could have a little public outing and go dig up Daddy Kennedy's grave so we can desecrate it. Um, All right, we'll <laughs> stay right there. The I'm gonna I'm gonna keep <laughs> Ann Coulter. We may, may get calls for Ann when we get back. You that would be calls? fantastic, yeah. especially for people who have read my book. In Trump We Trust, Eat Pluribus Awesome. All right. Uh, and it's in bookstores everywhere, and it's on Amazon.com, and we linked it to Hannity.com if you want to take a look. All right, so you wrote Adios America. That was your last book. Donald Trump comes along and says, we're going to have extreme vetting of refugees, and then he talks about building a wall. That message is resonating with people. 
Um, I've been down actually. At- I think you got the order wrong. <laughs> he opened right. with the wall. He did. All right. On June sixteenth, two thousand fifteen. So he's proposing these things. The American people seem to be responding to it. Here are the headlines today: the tenth, the ten thousandth Syrian refugee has reached the U.S. in their resettlement program. Hillary wants a five hundred and fifty percent increase. There was a headline on Breitbart, immigration expert, U.S. is to resettle nearly one million Muslim migrants under one term of a Clinton presidency. And it goes on from there. An illegal alien who killed a nun was on Obama's supervised release program. Mm-hmm. And, and, now, and the one who killed that 4.0 beautiful college student, Sarah Root. Yeah, and then you got the Kate Steinle case. by Obama. Listen, I just had on, we did a town hall with Trump the other night. You didn't like it because I was asking him if he was softening at all. And he reiterated with me today that he's not. So, but the question is, if America does not get control of its borders, and Clapper and Comey and Brennan and Steinbeck and, and Mike McCall and General Allen all say ISIS will infiltrate the refugee population. Of course, they And Americans have. die. When do you say the people that support that policy have blood on their hands? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I already think the New York Times and Teddy Kennedy and everyone who supported the 1965 Act, I mean, they have, they have not even gallons. They have entire skyscrapers full of blood for what they've done to America. And for what? So that the Democrats can win elections and so that the rich can have cheaper gardeners and maids. Um, it is not being done for the average American. It's an awful thing. And, I mean, just, just take these Syrian refugees. Why is that America's problem? Um, I mean, even if you're going to say, and I don't think it is, that Latin America is our problem, can't Europe deal with the Syrians? What, we're just the charity ward of the world? Oh, there's a crisis someplace in the world. We must bring in hundreds of thousands of people from this incredibly backward culture who don't speak English, some of whom will end up being criminals, terrorists, um, more than 50% of whom will be accepting welfare. That's welfare meant for our own people. But isn't Sharia, med- let me ask you as a constitutional lawyer. For our people, that's social security for our people all these things you know one thing that trump totally changed my mind on um which i and i guess writing adios america changed my mind on it um yes social security is a ponzi scheme i used to be in favor of these attempts to try to save it by by reforming it you know the entitlement reform that paul ryan already talks about now i'm just enraged and i think it's a scam here's my reform it's for americans even even uh, um the very unusual immigrants, at least until recently, the H-1B visa workers, and those are supposed, supposedly the high-tech workers, the one that took to all those jobs in Disney, the ones that Mark Zuckerberg employs, really is their indentured but servants. But Democrats are smarter than Republicans. But wait, I just want to explain this point. Let me finish this point. So they get, so Zuckerberg gets the cheap labor. He's really just getting a standard computer programming. Why is he cheaper? For one thing, the guy can't go, the foreign worker, H-1B worker, can't go to, to Microsoft instead. That's point one. But what does, what does he get out of it? Um, well, he's not that much of a star because actually India and Pakistan have some, you know, they have, they have, they're building nuclear bombs. They're doing fine. They have their brain trust. So we're getting the ones doing standard programming work. And, you know, they're lovely people, I'm sure. But they get to bring in their elderly relatives who immediately start accepting Social Security. The reason Social Security is bank- being bankrupt and Medicare and Medicaid, 
I mean, well, there's also the immigrant fraud on Medicare and Medicaid. Oh, my gosh, look at those cases. I have one page of them in Adios America. There isn't an American name there. There are different ethnicities have different criminal habits and government fraud is one of them. But also they're bringing in their entire extended families who immediately go on Social Security, which they never paid into. That is for Americans. See, Democrats, I think, are a lot smarter than Republicans because they view immigration, resettlement, refugees as a way to build a long-term generational shift politically. They yeah, want a over. voting base, right. and dopey Republicans are catering to, you're right, big business. Here's the problem. Donald Trump's reaching out to the black community, and he's saying, hey, yep. if we don't have secure borders, that means, okay, we have 95 million Americans out of the labor force, a 20% increase in black Americans out of the labor right. force since Obama's been president, and we're going to invite all these people, and they're going to compete for the few jobs that are available and in the process drive down wages. Right. Hillary's, so it makes no sense. No, Hillary's, you know, argument to the black community is, no, 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 I have this study here from the New York Times that shows that it's good for the black community to compete with Mexicans for jobs. Yeah, that's a great argument. Um, I mean, Trump is 100 percent right when he says Hillary um, sees sees black people as voters and that's it, because none of her policies are going to hurt help black people and are going to hurt them quite significantly, especially on the crime issue. I mean, I've, I've written about this a lot in Mugged and Columns. I think I've talked to you about it. Talk to any criminal prosecutor in America. There is no juror they like more um, than a married black person with a job. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Ann Coulter is with us, a brand new book, In Trump We Trust. We will start with uh, Carrie is in Austin, Texas. We were down in Austin last week. Carrie, hi, how are you? And uh, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. What's going on? I'm great, how are you? Oh, I just... Um, I wanted to talk to you about immigration. I, uh, I've lived basically all over the state of Texas. I'm 41 years old, and I spent seven months living in McAllen, Texas. Um, lived in San Antonio, Texas, where I grew up, and I'm proud to be Texan. However, immigration, illegal immigration, let's not say immigration, illegal immigration from Mexico is a problem for Texas. It is, tra- it is mm-hmm. by far, goes to all the northern states. But my biggest concern is the safety of my children. And, I mean, I, I, the best thing I can say is if, if any country needs a wall, the United States needs a wall. And it is not against anyone that says that they are Mexican. It is not against any color. What it is against is crime. And the fact is, is that if you come over to the United States legally, that is not a crime. Mm-hmm. If you come over to the United States illegally, that is a crime. Hi, right. man, by the way. Hello. All right, let's get an answer. Here. All right, go ahead. Well, no, you know, I couldn't understand before, and as a point I stressed in Adios America, and I, now I understand, and actually you... You express some of it, Carrie, um, but but this this obsessive distinction between legal and illegal immigration. Because I mean, look, all the refugees are legal. Um, the nine eleven hijackers were legal. The Boston Marathon bomber was legal. A lot of, uh, and the ones taking jobs, the H one B visa workers, um, the, a lot of the legal workers driving down wages. Um, the, the legal immigration is a problem too. But having said that, what I like about what you you said, Carrie, is that I have this. I'm starting to get this sense from the media that they act as if whenever we talk about illegal immigrants, we are talking about every Hispanic in the country. No, I think most people don't realize. Look at just legal immigration. 
What what country do we get most of our legal immigrants from? And by far, Mexico. Pre, um, it's not diverse at all. Pre Teddy Kennedy's 1965 Immigration Act, we took um, more than five percent of our immigrants from about um, a handful of countries, about five or six. Post 1965 immigration, overwhelmingly from Mexico. I mean, why isn't that? A, it's not diverse. B, it's actually quite discriminatory that, you know, if you were a poor person, you can come here as long as you live within walking distance, but not, oh, the poor Bangladeshis. Um, But I think it's an important point you make, Carrie, stressing the legal versus illegal in the point that this is not an anti-Hispanic point. It is an um, anti-criminal illegal immigration Mexico uh, is a lot tougher, and nobody ever well, brings Well, every country point on earth is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. But you know what? What do you say to all these? Like, Hillary takes money from Saudi Arabia. I bring this point up all the time. How do you take up to $25 million for the foundation for a country that tells, how would you like me to tell you how to dress? Tell <laughs> Ann Coulter she can't drive a car. Tell Ann Coulter whether she can work or not work or write a book or not write a book or go to school. Uh, tell Ann Coulter that she can't leave her house without a male relative. Um, and then tell Ann Coulter she can't go to a Christian church because they don't have any. You can't go to a Jewish temple because they don't have any. Right. And by the way, I know you have gay and lesbian friends that they're going to be put to death. We Thrown catch them. from a building. And yeah. she takes soccer games played with their heads. No, it's disgusting. Um, yeah, this is diversity. Welcome to diversity is a strength, as we're told uh, one million times a day, every day of our lives. This is diversity. Um, look, you can't pick and choose your multi culturalism you can't say i love the restaurants but i hate the throwing gays why from can't building. we say that sharia is incompatible with our constitution why no, can't people I mean, just say that there's a clash of cultures look as i say in the in the current book in trump we trust giving having a muslim ban which i'll just say for short um because liberals become obsessed with will there be any exceptions this idea that oh but what about king abdullah of jordan as was said on one cable news network um i think yeah okay there'll be a muslim You're ban. A Obsessed with watching MSNBC. You're like the only person that watches it. That was Charles Krauthammer on Fox. Oh, sorry. Um, But there will be exceptions. I get the idea. I mean, I understood from the beginning. most Most of America understood Trump is stating a general policy. There will be exceptions. It's called the fine art of of making distinctions and so on and so forth. But the Muslim ban generally, this is not. This is not like saying, um, you know, we're not taking black people. It would be as if in the in you know nineteen in the 1940s we had have an immigrant show up at Ellis Island. Um, we have him cough, slap him on the back, check his head for lice, open his open his suitcase and find a dog-eared, heavily underlined copy of Mein Kampf. What how is, he- is it? Don't you think we'd say, no thanks? Um, how is that different from someone who believes these things that you are just reciting about Sharia law? You don't you, you are not born a Muslim. This is a set of beliefs. It is a set of beliefs that you cannot be. You can be born into a Muslim family. You can be born into it. You know, we're not talking about eating pita and lamb. We're talking about a set of beliefs here that is fundamentally incompatible with the American way of life, the American Constitution, um, with freedom and liberty and our entire nation. No, multiculturalism, multiculturalism doesn't work when you're bringing in a philosophy, um, an ideology. Is but this is, is what, but completely look at, at odds with our nation. But look at Europe. I mean, Europe, yeah. the Islamization of Europe is yeah. pretty much complete now, especially mm-hmm. under the, the more recent yeah. I- influx of refugees into Germany. Look, who would have thought that Great Britain has 88 Sharia courts? I know. Separate and apart from all other 
people that live in Great Britain. Who would have thought that Sweden would be the rape capital of the world, a place where rape was unheard of? But they decided, um, no, it's getting boring looking at all these handsome men and beautiful women. Let's let's dump millions of third world, ref, quote, refugees. Let's go on to our John country. in Orlando. John, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Ann Coulter's with us. Her new book, In Trump We Trust. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Sean? How you doing, Ann? Fine, thanks. Yeah, Sean, um, I was um, calling about um, Donald Trump. I was I was kind of agreeing with him. A lot of the Mexicans have came in, not just Mexicans, a lot of the immigrants come in. They're uneducated, so it's, I'm a black man that worked for minimum wage before. I'm not, I don't have a college degree. They're not really threatening the people like Ben Carson. They're more threatening to the inner city people who's trying to get the low-paying job. The Mexicans come over here and work for 50 cents an hour. Mm-hmm. You have black people, the minimum wage is already low that we can't hardly pay for our, our lights and everything at the houses where we're living in. Then you bring the Mexican in, they live six, seven in a house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. America knew what was going on. Trump is the only one that has stood up and really said that. It's more, it's more of a, 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 a like I say, it's more of a, it hurts the black community more than a lot of people because the jobs are low-paying jobs. They're not jobs with degrees and everything. And those are the jobs that the immigrants going to get first before they get a chance to get through schooling and all mm-hmm. of that. If Trump really wants the black vote, he needs to go down into the, the ghettos of America and talk to the people. He's actually doing it more than any Republican I can think of. Now, here's another interesting side note. Or a Democrat note. and talking about the most important the Pew- issues, which John was just saying, you you are so absolutely right. Trump is bringing the jobs back and bringing it back 14. good, well-paying jobs that will really be great, especially for inner-city youth. I mean, I don't say this is a joke, but just the amount of labor to build that wall, to rebuild bridges and tunnels and LaGuardia, that's the kind of work that is desperately needed to be done. Besides the fact that we need the end product, it's fantastic jobs for, for so inner-city black youths, and I think time. they should have affirmative action to give those jobs to inner-city so black youths. So you think that if Trump loses, the country's done? America, yeah. as we know it, has failed. It's uh, it, it, it's the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, John Adams said all democracies commit su- suicide, and if if this country elects Hillary, what does that they... mean for the future of America? We have thirty seconds. Forget America's the whole world is the end of the last Christian country on earth. It means we will be like Brazil or like California is now. It'll be the Tower of Babel. People will vote their ethnic groups. We'll have nine Ruth Bader Ginsburgs on the Supreme Court, no guns. Forget an income tax. They're going to come after us with a wealth tax. Um, and the poor, the weak, the elderly, women, my, black Americans will absolutely suffer the most. Of the plutocrats will eat this country dry and move on to the next country. Well, that's optimistic, but I actually I think America is in a rapid, precipitous decline now. And I this think is the only hope. Trump is the only hope, and I never thought I'd see well, it. I thought it was it a ten percent chance. It, it, arrogant <laughs> elitist that uh, you know we used to get along with somewhat. My ch- chapter three is all on the consultant yeah. class and the the br- so, the Republican brain trust. Yeah, well, they've done a, they, so they, glad they, to they've be been done so on it this year. Have been so all over. <laughs> it this year. All right, Ann Coulter, it's called In Trump We Trust. E Pluribus Awesome and it's in uh, bookstores everywhere. It's on Amazon.com. We put it up on Hannity.com. Donald Trump was a main guy behind the scurrilous and I would say bigoted notion that President Obama wasn't even born in this country and Donald Trump has continued to push that irresponsible falsehood from, from all the way up to now and that's the difference in this election and that's the stakes. Yesterday Hillary Clinton gave a speech in Reno, Nevada calling out Donald Trump on a lot of things on this equality idea. Calling him out on the fact that he has supporters like David Duke connected with the Ku Klux Klan who are going around and saying Donald Trump is their candidate because Donald Trump is pushing their values. 
Ku Klux Klan values, David Duke values, Donald Trump values are not American values. They're not our values. And we've got to do all we can to fight, to push back and win, to say that we're still about heading toward that North Star that we set out so long ago. I'm going to be the most presidential president you've ever had. And then I thought about Abraham Lincoln and I said, well, I don't know. He's pretty tough to beat, right? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, he was pretty good. But that is a great Republican, which brings me to a subject that is so important and very personal for me. Nothing means more to me than working to make our party the home of the African-American vote once again. Used to be. There are millions and millions of African-Americans in this country who have succeeded so greatly and who deserve a government that protects and honors their incredible contribution. So many have been so successful. Very nice. But we also have to talk about the millions of African-Americans who remain trapped in poverty and in failing schools. They're trapped. I've spoken to a lot in recent days, a lot of people, and I've spoken a lot about the deplorable conditions in many of our inner cities, just about all of them. As a father, as a builder, as an American, it offends my sense of right and wrong to see anyone living in such conditions. They are living in terrible, terrible conditions, beyond belief conditions. All right, so the race-baiting continues throughout the week. Obviously a sign of desperation, I think a distraction technique by the Clinton campaign. Why? Because, very simply, Hillary Clinton was exposed last week as having sold out access to her office and has benefited financially better than any other person that I can think of in politics to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. All the speeches that they've given, and access, of course, given to top donors, and then special special meetings uh, that she arranged for people that they end up making even more money so they can donate more money to, of course, the Clinton Foundation and other Clinton causes. When it comes to money, the Clintons have zero compunctions about selling out to anybody, like the Saudis, where they mistreat women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews. As long as they give money, they buy Hillary's silence. No criticism. And Donald Trump, more than any other recent candidate that I can think of, is reaching out to black America and pointing out you're not better off under liberal policies. There's a 58% increase in black Americans on food stamps since Obama's been president. 20% increase of black Americans out of the labor force. Well, that's not helping the black community. It's not, they're not certainly helping the Hispanic community. And they're not helping Americans in general, period. End of sentence. Anyway, joining us now, D.C. McAllister. She is a senior contributor at The Federalist. Chris, uh, Christy Setzer is with us. She's the president of New Heights Communications. Welcome back, uh, all of you. D.C., it's uh, been a while, too long. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know what I love about you, D.C., is you are a passionate Ted Cruz supporter, and you're telling Ted Cruz supporters, cut the crap. There's no comparison. Donald Trump is infinitely better than Hillary Clinton, and, and stop undermining and sabotaging the candidate, because otherwise Hillary's going to make choices on the Supreme Court. Hillary's going to make choices on health care, refugees, immigration, borders, education, and her you know, economic plan's not going to help anybody either. And we know she's had one foreign policy disaster after the other. What's wrong with some of these people? Absolutely. I'm calling for them all to unite in order to support Donald Trump and vote for him. You don't have to agree with him on every point, but the point is is that the left is not the option of today. 
they're a threat to America and we need to defeat them. And Hillary Clinton is corrupt and she's a criminal and she is, should never be president of the United States. So I am calling on conservatives of all stripes and colors to come and support Donald Trump and his candidacy. But they're distracted. They're distracted by these accusations of racism. They're distracted by all the characterizations of Trump supporters, and they don't want to be aligned with that, so they want to distance themselves and take their high road in prim and proper principled ways and say that they're not going to support this candidate. And I think that's foolish because they're buying into the narrative of the left and the labeling of the left of Republicans and and GOP, and they don't understand they're actually feeding into a narrative that's going to hurt the GOP in the long term and conservatives. Do you think we're beginning to see polls now tighten quite a bit. Do you think Hillary's playing of the race card has backfired against her? It's starting to, but it's a hard go because you got to understand the left liberals, the Democratic Party has for decades been labeling the Republican Party, Republicans and conservatives as racist. And that's what they pull out every time their own policies fail, the own, their own ideology doesn't hold up to to scrutiny, they pull out this race card and they say, but you guys, you guys are a bunch of bigots and racists and homophobes and sexists. And so they stigmatize us. And then people don't want to be associated with that, so they pull back. And we need to fight back. And so that's what Donald Trump is doing. And this is why he's rallying people who are sick and tired of being beat up with the racist label when all we stand for are the American values of individualism, limited government, and strong national defense and protecting our American culture. That is not racist. That is not bigoted. And we need to stand up against it you know christy every election and i've been playing this for my audience i can go back and show you that the democratic party plays the race card 1998 democratic party missouri if you elect republicans black churches are going to burn you can go to the 2000 james bird ad it was like my father was killed all over again but george bush well he didn't support hate crimes legislation he supported the death penalty for the people that killed james bird then you have people like al gore going out there and Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't even want to count you in the census. And I play that a lot. And he changes his cadence and tone and pitch every time he goes before a predominantly black audience. Uh, Don't you find this narrative about the Klan, especially since Hillary got money from a Klan member, $20,000, Washington Times article back in April, don't you think that that's a step too far? Isn't that just playing into America's worst instincts? <laughs> no, I think what plays to Americans' worst instincts is uh, when Donald Trump gets up and recites some of the worst stereotypes of African Americans. And he talks about how if y'all live in poverty, you walk outside, you're going to get shot. Like, I wonder what Ben Carson thinks about that. I'm guessing Ben Carson lives well, in Well, wait a minute, because, you know, in right? Chicago this weekend, in the Chicago this weekend, there were nine people. Hang on a second. There's 3,500 plus people in the city of Chicago killed since Obama's been president. An overwhelming majority are black Americans. And we, you don't know the name of a single one, do you? The single one what? I'm sorry. Name me one of the 3,500 people killed in Chicago since Obama's been president. Can you name one person? Uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, we all know the story this weekend. I, I, I know, but can you name right? can you name one person? But that's not what he's getting into. Okay, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. thing about policy. He hasn't So you don't like his policies, policy. so you're going to go ahead and put Klan members. You're going to put the images of Klan members up, and then you're going to put the Confederate flag up, and then you're going to put David Duke up. And, you know, there are a lot of big people that support Hillary. If we're going to play guilt by association, then I guess Hillary, who has hung out with Black Lives Matter, you know, will will hold her accountable for them chanting, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? If that's your line of thinking, then she supports uh, Black Lives Matters. 
She's invited them in to consult with her on issues involving the criminal justice system. And if you play guilt by association, then she's as guilty as anybody for aligning herself with horrible people. You know what, you're Christine's certainly not. right here. Well, Christine has point. never retweeted white supremacists, you know, um, from this alt-right fringe to 11 million No, but she people. did take money from a Klan member. She took $20,000, according to the Washington Times. Okay, and, and all right. Donald so then Donald Trump, Trump is within his, his support. Didn't say no. That's no. He actually says I don't know anything about white supremacy because he's not a white supremacist. Um, um okay. that's no, what he, he said. Them. Excuse me. He repudiated <laughs> them at least ten times. Christie is characterizing what Donald Trump is saying when she when Donald Trump talks about black communities and describes them. He's giving an accurate portrayal of what's actually happening. But see, um, re- no, Republicans aren't allowed to do that. If you do that, if you're objective, if you if you call out the problems and see the problems that are there in that community, then you're called a racist. You're not you're not saying these people are bad because of the color of their skin. And you're not saying they're bad inherently moral, morally or otherwise. You're describing problems within that community which Democrats do not want to address or fix. They this is a great point, D.C., because now the next logical question for Christie is, Christie, cite me one statistic that shows under liberal Obama Clinton policies that black Americans are better off than they were eight years ago. Give me one. There's more health care, right? OK, so uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Millions and millions. Slow down. Slow down. Christy, Christy. And what is the average communities more violent than white communities? What is the what is the what is the average increase per family for health care since Obama's been president? Because he promised keep your doctor, keep your plan and you'll you'll save on average per family twenty four hundred dollars a year. What is the average increase over his presidency? Do you know? I mean, look, as you know, this is a complicated It's $4,100. People having health care means sometimes that premiums go up. 33% of this country's counties only have one health care option choice provider. Only but one. That's better than none. That's the whole point. It's right? better than none. There's no way it's that, better than none. that we had a great But that's not what he before. did. And how many people lost their doctors and their plans and how many people are paying more? Everybody's paying more. Millions lost their doctors and millions lost their plans. And some people have no choice, no option. They have one provider in 33% of the counties in this country. Well, again, I mean, we've talked about this because, as you know, I'm self-employed, and so I, I go on Obama. All right, let me go back to my original question. Give me, give me one statistic now. that shows that black Americans are better off than they were eight years ago. Tell me one. Well, what you can do is point to the national statistics. Again, look at the unemployment rate, which is now under 5%. All right, stop you right there. Stop, 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 stop. When you don't yeah. count the chronically unemployed and those giving up looking for work, that statistic is phony, and you have the lowest labor participation rate now since the 1970s, the lowest home ownership rate in four Forty uh, fifty-one years. You have the worst recovery since the nineteen forties. You have a fifty-eight percent increase in Black Americans now on food stamps since Obama's been president. A twenty percent. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me let me give you the last one because it addresses your point. And a twenty percent increase in Black Americans that are out of the labor force because they can't get work. So take your unemployment numbers and put them right back where they belong, and that's where the sun doesn't shine. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Still under 5% is pretty much as good as it gets. Okay. What, never got all right, but you see, D.C., what part of a 20% increase in black Americans out of the labor force doesn't she understand that that's real people, real losses, real jobs? Because that doesn't fit into her narrative. She'd rather just call Trump supporters and conservatives racist because they're actually calling out these problems and describing them for what they, they are. But they have no policy solutions. I would like to hear okay, from We can have that discussion, but I would what's like happening right now is labeling and slandering, and it's got to stop calling people and the 
Trump supporters racist and bigoted is a lie. It's slanderous and it's wrong. And you're also ignoring the own all racism in your own party. Black Lives Matter. How about this whole idea with the Islamists? You know, there's a violent part of them. But we don't want to malign the whole group, but yet you're willing to malign an entire voting population because of a small segment. That's Donald wrong. Trump, all right, I have another Muslim question there? for Christy. Christy. Is Hillary Clinton, is Hillary Clinton, is Hillary Clinton a liar? On what? What is the question? No, I do not believe she is. You don't think she lied when she said she only used one device and not multiple devices? You don't think she lied when she said she neither neither sent nor received classified information? You don't think she lied about Benghazi when she told her daughter, the Libyan president, Egyptian prime minister, one thing and us simultaneously something else? You don't think she lies? Look, I think that Hillary Clinton has had more investigations into her that have found nothing than anyone else probably on the planet. I, I didn't ask you that. DC, you know, well, DC, do. DC, DC you know, DC, this is the amazing thing. How much often, DC, do you hear me say Republicans are weak and timid and feckless and visionless? These, oh, these Clinton Obama supporters, they can't admit any fault. They can't recognize that their people have failed. No, they can't. All they can do is malign the other side because they don't have anything to stand on. They live in denial about themselves and that they, all they do is cast stones at the others. And they lie. They lie and they slander and they even do it now. They do it about our voters, about our policies, about our principles. They do it about our principles, Sean. And I'm sick of it. You I'm know, sick of it, too. I'm sick. You I'm know what it is? It. It's slander. They're besmirching. It's character assassination. It's propaganda. It's, it's misinformation. It's everything I'd expect from the former Soviet Union. Black is white. White is black. Up is down and down is up. Yes. No. Well, seventy days to the election. Are you proud that you're voting for a woman where uh, that she lies on a regular basis, and sixty-five percent of Americans, almost seventy percent, think she's dishonest and untrustworthy? That doesn't make it true. And yes, I'm very proud to be voting. So you think she's an honest person? You think she's honest? You don't think she lies to the American people? You don't think she lied about Benghazi? Nope, I don't. And I think that if she had, again, the eleven hours of multiple hearings that she had to go in front of, um, would have found. You don't think she lied about her email scandal? Even though James Comey testified to Trey Gowdy, she did not tell the truth on very major issues. What he said was that there's no that no reasonable prosecutor could bring a case against her. That would, you know. But he did say she lied and misled the American people. I do not use the word lie, but, Uh uh, you know. Well, Trey Gowdy kept saying, is that true? No. Is that true? No. Is that true? No. Is that true? Well, that's lying. I got to go, though. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate it, D.C. Good to have you back. In a congressional hearing on July 7th, Director Comey directly contradicted what you had told the public. I had uh, not sent uh, classified material nor received anything uh, marked classified. Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true. Right. That I am confident that I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. I never sent um, classified uh, material on my email, and I never received any uh, that was marked classified. Secretary Clinton said I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? No, there was classified material emailed. People across the government knew that I used one device. Maybe it was... Uh, because I am not the most technically capable person and uh, wanted to make it as easy as possible. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. 
But we turned over everything that was work-related, every single thing. Personal stuff, we did not. I had no obligation to do so and did not. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. All I can tell you is that when my attorneys conducted this exhaustive process, I did not participate. Secretary Clinton said her lawyers read every one of the emails and were overly inclusive. Did her lawyers read the email content individually? No. He directly contradicted what well, I, let me just just yeah. he not only directly contradicted what you said, he also said in that hearing that you were extremely careless and negligent. Well, Chris, I looked at the whole transcript of everything that was said and what I believe is number one, I made a mistake not using two different email addresses. I have said that and I repeat it again today. It is certainly not anything that I ever would do again. I take classification seriously. I relied on and had every reason to rely on the judgments of the professionals with whom I worked. And of course, Hillary Clinton, when she ran out of time, would just wipe the server clean. And of course, they use this bleach kit and the creator of Bleach Kit said there might be some possibility of finding Clinton's wiped emails. Remember, she said to Ed Henry, you mean like wipe it with like a cloth? You mean like a cloth? Is that what you're saying? And well, it turns out Hillary Clinton used Bleach Bit because that means you really, 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 really don't want anyone recovering what was on your hard drive. Now, the question here is, do we have a two tier justice system? You have a new U.S. Navy sailor that was sentenced to a year behind bars. The crime took a photo of a nuclear submarine despite his pleas that his crime was no different than Hillary Clinton's email server controversy. Let me give you some background in all of this because it's pretty amazing. Now, the mother of U.S. Navy sailor Christian Saucier was sentenced to one year in federal prison for taking photos of classified areas on a sub. Greg Rinke is a former active duty JAG attorney whose law firm represented Christian Gene Pitcher is a retired Navy sailor who served on the USS Alexandria and Christian served on the boat while the two other sailors who got caught taking photographs in the engine room, yet neither of them were prosecuted. Now, this has to do with let's give you some background here. And Kathleen, thank you for being with us to talk about your your son. Uh, on September 11, 2001, your son watched the Twin Towers come down from his high school classroom, correct? Correct. And then he made a decision that day he wanted to join the military. Correct. Okay, so then in 2005, rather than go to college on a scholarship that he had gotten, he enlisted in the Navy, became a nuclear mechanic, right? Correct. He actually had gotten a congressional nomination to go to the Naval Academy, but he chose to go enlisted first. Which is a pretty rare thing that would have happened. So he could Correct. serve right away. Okay, so then in 2009, he took six photos on his cell phone of areas that turned out to be classified on a submarine, right? Correct. Okay. So Hillary Clinton has hundreds of emails with classified information on it, including, by the way, according to reports, North Korea's nuclear site, satellite imagery, right? Correct. All right. And she sent it through an unsecure server that was in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet. Right? All right. Well, that's just a fact. All right. So... Then she lies to the FBI and the American people about it, as we just played James Comey, and James Comey said everything basically she told us is 
it was not true and that she lied repeatedly. Anyway, so after being confronted by investigators some years later, your son had destroyed a, a laptop camera and a memory card containing the photos. Is that true? That That's my understanding based on the testimony that, that was given. Yes. But he got indicted on one felony count of unlawful retention of national defense information and another felony count of, of obstruction of justice. I, w- I would ask that um, Rinky explain that because he was uh, he was indicted on that, but he was not. Those, the last charge was dropped. Yeah, that's, that, that's correct. He was indicted, but he wasn't convicted of that. He was only. All right, but the bottom line is, he's going to spend a year in prison. That's and right. Hillary Clinton, who did far worse, uh, so many more instances, so many, much greater in terms of examples of obstruction of justice, and she, of course, gets a pass. What does that tell you? For me, I can tell you I'm screaming about that. I'm, I feel that the double standard is there. My son has accepted responsibility for what he's done and is, and, and is going to accept the time that he's been given by the judge. Um, and to see that someone that's going to be going forward for the President of the United States and is, is not even going to be held accountable, it's a double standard. To me, it's a clear double standard. I have no doubt in my mind. All right, so what do we do here, Greg? I mean, first of all, did he know that these were classified areas? Did he do it on purpose? Was this a, you know, just an innocent mistake that he made? What happened? Yeah, well, he, I mean, he, he clearly knew that this was classified space. However, we have to remember that these photographs were taken seven years ago by Mr. Saucier. At the time, he was only 22 years old. The photos on the camera weren't found to many years later. And when they were found, I mean... Uh, he stated that he had taken the photographs because he wanted to have kind of a memento of, of his time in the Navy to be able to show his kids what he had done. Um, so, you know, it's very concerning in, in a situation like this where you have a very powerful person like Hillary Clinton uh, doing very similar acts and not being prosecuted. So does it, you know, it, it sends a message to a lot of people in the United States that there's selective prosecution. Yeah, well, I, I think that's my conclusion. And I find the whole thing pretty despicable. I, that just basically confirms everything I've known, that we have a two-tier justice system, right? Now, Gene, you worked as a you're a retired Navy sailor. You worked on the USS uh, Alexandria with Christian. And what do you know about this? Yeah, that's right, Sean. Uh, Chris and I were actually, we we're both uh, mechanics together in the same division. Uh, right. We were pretty close friends, too. We, we were together for three years on the boat um, and... You know, one of the things that you had already mentioned um, that I think people should realize is that, you know, there was two other sailors that were caught doing the same thing, um, taking pictures of one of the same areas at around the same time, and uh, they got what's known as non-judicial punishment uh, or captain's mess, and they really received a slap on the wrist, frankly, uh, in comparison to what Chris got. Why do you think it happened this way? Why did he get treated differently when this was seven years old to begin with? And then other people were treated differently for the exact same offense. And then Hillary Clinton did far worse and nothing happens to her. Well, there's, I think, two parts to that. Uh, one part is generally uh, captains on board submarines. They, they strongly believe in trying to keep discipline in-house. Um, so whenever possible, they will try to handle things at their own level um, and really try to you know protect the sailors from getting punished unjustly kind of as in chris's case uh the other part of it is you know obviously with the fbi becoming involved in chris's case i think they really took offense to the fact that uh 
I think they would probably describe it as not entirely cooperative. I, I think that that very much bothers them. I think they have a bit of an inferiority complex when people don't. Well, uh, I'm a big fan of law enforcement in particular. I, I'm glad that our FBI is out there doing a lot of work to keep us safe. But apparently there was an incident, Kathleen, when they came to your house and had guns pointed at you. What happened? Yes, that's correct. Um, in 2014, um, you know, I was woken up in the morning, went outside, my dogs were barking, and there were two um, agents with weapons pointed at me. Um, they told me to go around the front of the house, and there were two other agents that did not have weapons drawn at that time. I asked them if they had a warrant uh, for my arrest, and they stated no, and I said then I would ask that those weapons be you know, put away and that those people with the weapons drawn, there should be no reason if you have no warrant for my arrest. Um, and they did leave, the two that were pointing weapons at me. The other two FBI agents uh, interrogated me for approximately 12 hours, um, asking me questions, but basically um, stating that, uh, telling me that, intimidating me, that I needed to sign a statement or make a statement that my son was guilty of um, selling secrets to Russians, and that if I did not state that, that, uh, they but would that's not what he was charged with, was it? No, it's not. Greg, that's not what he was charged with. So why why is, why is, did this case get this far and all these other cases don't go anywhere? Well, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's the big question is, is why in this case did they go after Mr. Saucier? Um, and I don't have the answer to that. Well, what can be done from an attorney's point of view? I mean, you're a former active duty JAG attorney. Your law firm is representing Christian. Is there any recourse from this point, or he's got to spend that year in jail? Well, he's got to spend that year in jail, and Chris understands that what he did was wrong. I mean, let, let's let's get something straight. Mr. Saucier did take photographs of a classified area of a nuclear submarine. Do we know why he did it? He says he did it because he wanted to have photographs as a memento to be able to show his kids where he worked on the sub. Obviously, was it a stupid thing to do? Yes. And Chris understands that. And he's accepted responsibility for that by pleading guilty. Yeah, but you have the other two off, uh, sailors that took pictures, too, and nothing happened to them. We argued that. Well, yeah, I mean, nothing happened to them I don't agree with. I mean, they did get non-judicial punishment, which is a slap Okay, on the they're wrist. not spending a year in jail. No, they're not. And But those cases are obviously not Mr. Saucier's case. I think the whole thing just stinks to high heaven, because I think what Hillary did is far worse. Everybody knows it's worse. I mean, there's new information that she used those this bleach bit to really wipe that sucker clean, you know, shows, I think, the intent to obstruct justice. And she got away with pretty much uh, everything that she told us being a lie and got caught covering things up and erasing her own emails and, and just lied about the whole thing. And nobody seems to know about it. That's very concerning. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you all for being with us. Appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN. And we wish you the best, Kathleen, in particular. Caitlin is next in Utah. Caitlin, hi, how are you? Glad you called. I'm great, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm good. What's going on? Well, just briefly from Friday, you were talking about um, rhinos, like John McCain and all, and uh, the race going on down there. And it just uh, kind of turns my stomach that everybody looks at rhinos as only being politicians, but I'm kind of tired of all the rhino voters who... Um, you know, basically, Trump is presenting everything that they've been screaming for for decades, increasingly so. And yet now, just because they don't like him because, you know, he's brash, uh, they don't want to vote for him? Look, everything that I find from Republicans is like all stylistic stuff. 
you know, are you going to tell me the list of Supreme Court nominees that he wants to appoint is not better than Hillary? Is it better to have extreme vetting when you have a conflict of civilizations and people that believe in Sharia law coming into our country, which directly contradicts our own Constitution? Tell me, does a conservative disagree with that? Do conservatives not want the border secure? I know big business probably wants cheap labor, but the average conservative doesn't want Americans to compete for jobs with with people from other countries driving down our wages. I think most people realize that's stupid. I think most people want a wall because it's good for national security. So ISIS or Al Qaeda can't walk across the border. I think most Americans don't want coal miners to be out of work and coal mining businesses to be out of business. And we're better off being energy independent. I think most Americans and conservatives believe we ought to get rid of Obamacare. And yet here we are arguing with, you know, 20 percent of the arrogant elite class in the Republican Party that apparently want Hillary Clinton to win. So I keep saying they own any Clinton victory. They own her Supreme Court choices. They own unvetted refugees and what they do. They own what happens because we don't have border security. They own our horrible education system. They own our horrible health care system. That's what they own. And so I'm going to hold all these guys accountable. Anyway, good call. Appreciate it. Born on America's darkest day, 9-11-01, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping American heroes ever since. And when a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young kids are left behind, well, Tunnel to Towers, they pay the mortgage on the family home off to lift that financial burden. Now, for catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds, well, mortgage-free smart homes. That enables severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. And through the Foundation's Homeless Vets Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless vets More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. And people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities, they need your help more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate 11 bucks a month. Go to their website. It's the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, and then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. 
And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.